Welcome to another episode of the Sports Plus Podcast. I'm Corey Miller here with Five on Your Side Sports Director Frank Cusimano. Lots to talk about this week after, well, both of us were on vacation. Frank was up in one of the coldest places in the United States, and I was in one of the warmest. Frank, how was that Alaskan cruise? Really good, and it was the weather was just perfect. It was in that 50 to 75 degrees, just kind of a, a little brisk at times, and absolutely perfect. As I've mentioned before, the scenery, it was almost like you felt it was fake. It was like a Hollywood movie set, looking at the glaciers and the northern lights and the mountains. The highlight of the trip, besides the food, of course, was definitely the Iditarod dog, seeing these championship athletes, seeing them at a young age, too, and what they have to go through, a 1,000 miles and 50 degrees below weather. I mean, we talk about athletes playing in the cold in a football game. These are real athletes, these dogs. So you'd recommend it? Oh, absolutely. Yes. Uh, Frank was up in Alaska. I was in Vegas trying to come back with at least some money, which I think I did. Okay, let's get to Cardinals first here. Uh, If you're talking Cardinals right now, we have to start with Jack Flaherty. Since the All-Star break, .76 ERA. He's 6-1, 6 earned runs in 71.1 innings. Three homers since the All-Star break. That was a big problem for him early in the year. Uh, opponents are hitting 151. He's got 89 strikeouts. His ERA is below three now, which didn't seem like there yeah. was going to be a chance for that. And the He's, best stat, though, is second best half. Second best second half yeah. ERA since 1947. Only Jake Arietta at .75. So he could very easily top that. Yeah. And on the roll, I mean, every time he goes out there, I'm thinking he's going to throw a no-hitter. It's just appointment television right now, which is something the Cardinals didn't have the first half of the year. You show up to the game like, who am I excited to watch tonight? There wasn't really a guy. Now there's a couple guys, and Flaherty's definitely leading that charge. And he's the reason that now you're believing the Cardinals are not only going to win the division, but they are going to beat the Braves. I know it's really early, and it's overreaction theater and prisoner of the moment behavior, but oftentimes... One pitcher can do this for you. Madison Bumgarner, 2014. Sandy Koufax, 1965. He had one earned run in 23 innings. Of course, Bob Gibson in 67 and in 68. And then Randy Johnson in 01. I mean, this has happened before. It's it's hard to, like, put Jack Flaherty, 23 years of age, with the Koufaxes and the Johnsons and the Gibson. But you got to remember what he's doing, and it's not a small sample size anymore, is historical, and he could be the difference maker in what happens in October. Since the All-Star break, he's only failed to go six innings once, too, which has helped the bullpen out. In that start, he didn't he didn't give up any runs. He just had a high pitch count. It's just not just Flaherty, though, recently. Guys like Hudson. Dakota Hudson could end up with 20 wins. We were just talking about that uh, the other day. Wainwright's been good. And on offense, you're seeing positive things from Fowler, DeYoung, Tommy Edmonds getting in there a lot more often. And Wong and Molina, well, Wong's been good all season, but Molina, since he come back, has uh, has had all anybody that was doubting him kind of shut that down. 311, 891 OPS since he's come back, four homers. He was player of the month. We don't think, we were just talking about this too, I, he's never done that before. He's never been player of the month in his whole career. Uh, so he really is the ageless wonder, and it's just fun to see him back in the lineup swinging it good. Yeah, a couple of names there. First of all, Paul DeYoung, he's going to do something 
that's never been done before by a Cardinal shortstop, and that's get to 30 home runs and score 100 runs. You know, I know some of the analytics people look at his on-base percentage, which is not eye-popping. Who freaking cares? If you have a shortstop picking up balls like him with 30 and 100, that's a really good player. The analytics people like his defense, though. Absolutely, So he does have a positive going there, too. And then Tommy Edmond, and I think this is going to be one of the most fascinating October decisions that a Cardinal manager is ever going to make. Not that Edmond won't be on the 25-man roster, but who do you start at third base in October? The third baseman with the All-Star Games and the $19 million contract or, frankly, the better player in 2019. Uh, There's a reason that Mike Schilt is paid a handsome wage to make these decisions, but that is going to be fascinating. Now, there's 19 games left, and Matt Carpenter can turn things around and be the better player down the stretch. But if if the postseason were to start today— how could Mike Schilt believe that Matt Carpenter gives you a better chance to win? That's a good question. I don't think he can. As we sit here and record this, the Cardinals are four and a half games up on the Cubs with 19 to go. What's your confidence level? I mean, we've seen this stretch here where they've played some pretty not very good teams. Uh, it's going to get a little harder with seven games against the Cubs coming down the, the home stretch. But this four and a half games, are you <laughs> comfortable or are you still on edge? No, I'm comfortable right now. And, um, you know, there's a couple of reasons. First of all, the Cardinals trotting out, you know, Hudson, Flaherty, Wainwright, and Michaelis. Yeah. And, and I think Michael Waka is going to be okay, too. Um, as opposed to, second of all, what the Cubs are trotting out there right now. Cole Hamels had an ERA in the mid-sixes in the month of August. In September, it's in the 13s. And... You know that left-handed pitcher, John Lester, who is Mr. Money down the stretch every season of his career? He's no longer that. Ask the Brewers who roughed him up on Sunday afternoon. I mean, if I'm the Cubs, I'm wondering, how in the world are we going to win series when we have to trot out those two guys right now? And I guess you kind of touched on this a little bit with, with Flaherty in a division series, but just how important is that? winning the division instead of having to face Max Scherzer in the Nationals in that wild card game. Well, I feel better now than I did a little while since Flaherty's emerged and you could throw him, but still. Flaherty does, as I mentioned before, he does change everything because the Dodgers, who, by the way, only lead the Braves by about three, three and a half games right now, um, they have a better team than the Cardinals. But you know what the Dodgers don't have? They don't have Jack Flaherty. The Atlanta Braves have won nine more games than the Cardinals, but you know what they don't have? They don't have Jack Flaherty. Um, this whole Flaherty phenomenon just changes the way you feel. I mean, Max Scherzer is headed straight to Cooperstown. But if the postseason started tomorrow in a one-game wildcard situation, who would you rather have, Max Scherzer, the best pitcher of his generation, or Jack Flaherty? You could make a strong case for Jack Flaherty. You could. And it hasn't been all great news for the Cardinals here. We had some sad news this week. Chris Duncan lost his battle with brain cancer at just 38 years old. Frank, I know you covered Chris a lot, and Chris was in radio as well, so you guys probably had a lot of memories together. Just how do you remember Chris Duncan? Well, it's interesting because um, he was not regarded as a great interview, and he was kind of awkward, and part of it was he was young on a team with stars, and when he had that 
that incredible OPS season when he first came up, when he hit over 20 home runs, he felt a little awkward in talking about himself. So he wasn't really like a great interview. And so, you know, sometimes, you know, we judge intelligence level by how good a soundbite they give, which is the most ridiculous thing ever. But then all of a sudden, his career ends prematurely because of the neck injury. And he goes on a, a rival radio station here. And I was amazed because he was a terrific broadcaster. And unlike others who could coast on his name or coast on his celebrity, this young man did the work and became terrific at his craft. He was always a nice fella. He was always humble. I, I knew Dave extremely well. I wouldn't say I knew Chris real well, but it's just a shame. And you think about it, I was talking with Randy Carricker on Saturday about this. I think he had this thing for about nine years. And you think about it, he's 38 years old. So like basically one third, one fourth yeah. of his life, he's had to deal with this horrible thing, cancer. You know, God bless his family. And I hope he's, he's watching baseball up at a sports bar in heaven right now. The uh, his home run on that last regular season game at Bush Stadium is one of my favorite Cardinal memories growing up. I, just when he hits to get the Cardinals 100 wins on that last day, last game at Old Bush, he comes into the dugout. Tony Larusa is kind of in amazement, just wow. And then you see his dad there trying to hold back a huge smile. He just let Dave let a little one crack, but that's one of my favorite Cardinal moments that I've seen yeah, growing up. And he was. Um... Dave's son, but he was LaRusa's godson or stepson. Yeah. And Tony would get irate if somebody ever suggested nepotism. And there was a stretch there at the end of Chris's career where because of the injuries, he was not an effective player. And it was really tough for Tony and Dave. And so John Mozeliak did the bold thing and took it out of their hands and moved Chris. Yeah. So it was a tough decision, but... Chris Duncan was a part of some great teams and did some great things, and he will be missed. Let's talk about the Blues real quick because the season starts this week on Friday at the new uh, Centene Ice Center out there. That seems insane. It feels like just the other day we were out on the ice after Game 7 in Boston. It's going to be almost the exact same team as last season without Pat Maroon. Uh, I think there's going to be a considerable Stanley Cup hangover, which I'm totally fine with. I'm totally fine if it lasts the whole season. I'm content for quite a while now. Um, but there is going to be some young blood on this team, so maybe that won't happen. How do you see the roster, really, just as we're sitting here? Oh, you know, I don't, I don't anticipate them getting off to a slow start. I think success breeds success, and they know the formula with the chemistry on this team of what they have to do. And as I've mentioned before, almost everybody on this roster, with the exception of Bo Meester and Steen, are either smack dab in the middle of their career, the prime of their career, or just approaching it. So I see some emerging players getting better. I see some star players, you know, feeding off their success and them actually having a, you know, a better regular season. What about Jordan Bennington? I mean, the role the role he was on, that can't be duplicated to that level, I don't think, again. But he's going to be... Still, the guy, I don't think we're going to see a huge regression, but there's got to be some regression, right? Well, yeah, maybe not, you know, the exact same goals against or the exact same save percentage. But I also can't picture a guy who's been humbled and I wouldn't say humiliated, but looked past so many times and then tasting the success and thinking, you know what, 
I don't have to work as hard as I used to. Yeah. I think he he wants this thing to last and last and last. And I wouldn't be surprised if we see Jordan Bennington playing in the All-Star game in January here in St. Louis. That'd be pretty neat. Who's a young guy that you think can maybe slide in, work his way into this lineup, maybe in Maroon's spot? Because there's not a whole lot of room for flexibility. Like we said, the whole team's almost back. But well, who's somebody that can maybe break out a little bit? Most of the people in the organization believe that Robert Thomas – can emerge as a star. I actually like Sanford. Yeah, so do I. I That's think what I was going to talk he about. has. He's. He's a. I think he's going to score more goals. In fact, I have quite a few milkshake bets out <laughs> this season about who's going to score more goals. Now, Thomas may be a little bit more complete, and he did set up the Pat Maroon goal with a terrific play. But I think Sanford, with his length. His skill level, his speed has a chance to, you know, be a 20-goal scorer. He had such a weird season last yeah. year because at the beginning he was great. He was probably the best player on the team when they were terrible. And then once they maybe got a little better, he kind of faded in the background, wasn't nearly as good. And then at the end of the playoffs, you had to put him out there every night because he was playing so well. So I do think he's going to step up this next year too. All right, last here, let's talk a brief, some brief Mizzou football. We were both there yesterday against West Virginia. That looked like a pretty complete football team, although it's not West Virginia like we've seen West Virginia in the last 10 years or so. That team's not very good. Uh, but they were be- <laughs> Mizzou was better than they were against Wyoming, which is not saying a whole lot, except for that first, first quarter in Wyoming they were good. But that last three quarters, uh, they want to forget. It looks like they did forget it. Uh, what do you think of Mizzou right now as it stands 1-1? One one? Well, uh, we- I talked to Barry Odom this morning, and I thought the best bit of coaching he did – was to stay out of the defensive meetings. You know, a lot of people thought after the disaster in Wyoming that Odom, who's a defensive coach and a former defensive coordinator, would say, enough of this. This is my team. I'm going to take over. We're going to do it. No, he stayed out of it. He's got a really good coaching staff. He has talented athletes on that side of the ball. You can have a bad day at the office. You can't have many of them. And you can't have a lack of effort like they did in Wyoming. But he backed off and let his coaches do their thing. And, man, we're talking about a West Virginia team who, by the way, is in the Big 12. It's West Virginia. It's not Western Kentucky, okay? (laughs) And they had minus two rushing yards with 10 minutes to go in the fourth quarter. And if their defense can just be reasonable, can just be okay, if you have a star at quarterback, a superstar tight end, two really good running backs, and an offensive line as massive – as they are athletic, well, you're going to score some points and win a lot of games. So you asked almost every guy we talked to after the game just how they got over Wyoming, if it was maybe a good thing, if there's any silver lining. They all pretty much told you yes, but that's what they're going to say. But I kind of I believe them. I think they came out. They looked completely different. They looked hungrier. This could be a thing that maybe jump starts them like, hey, okay, this is what we need to be. This is the level we need to be at each week. Uh to perform at our best. So maybe that Wyoming loss will end up being a good thing down the line. The NCAA appeal still hanging out there, but the rest of the SEC East was unimpressive to say the very least here in these first couple weeks. Yeah. It still looks wide open other than Georgia. Do we think Mizzou can still make a run? Well, I, yeah, when you say a run, finish second, yeah. I mean, <laughs> I, I don't think they're beating Georgia. No. But they can beat everybody else. You know, South Carolina, Bentley's gone for the season. Tennessee is miserable. Uh, Florida's Florida's overrated, I think. Yeah, Kentucky lost their quarterback too. So, yeah, Yeah, second place. And, you know, I said nine and three at the end of the season, and I think that's still in play. I think that looks pretty good. All right, everybody, thanks for joining us for this. Do we get paid for this, by the way? 
Kiss yeah, certificate I, to Kimos. Is Kimos sponsoring us? 421-0555 for reservations. <laughs> Thanks for joining us, everybody. We'll have a new episode next week.